Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. Hey, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two pieces of media, two fandoms. If you and, will. If you will, as the kids say. Um, see where they cross over thematically. Theme, see where they cross over plot-wise. See mm-hmm. where they cross over with kisses. And where in our hearts. Yeah, deep in our hearts. And boy, are there going to be a lot of kisses tonight. That's for sure. Yeah. That's... <laughs> And he let it never be said of us that we are not ambitious on this show. Yep. <laughs> We've made some bad choices. <laughs> some very bad, very spur of the moment choices, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I think. this really came about because we were joking about something and said, you know what? Let's do that as a crossover. Yeah, I think I can't remember if we arrived at Little Foot from Little Face or Little, <laughs> no, little Face little, from Little Foot. Little, no, it was Little... Oh God! It was something else. It was one, no. It was one of the two. We, we, I think I was making a no, joke. No, because about, little face is a is a character. Right. And little so foot little is foot. a character. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But we came up with something else, and we we're like, "That's good." It was a little head. It's probably little head. Yeah. I mean, what else do you have at that point? I know, right. <laughs> little tummy. <laughs> little little, arms. little hands. You know. The commander in chief. I'm just imagining like a balloon person just like expanding and contracting yeah. and with all of the yeah. in, in the different areas. Yes. Yeah, we can get a GIF animation of that up for a good reference point. Yeah, but uh, whatever, wherever the idea came from, it happened last week, and we jumped on it before we could think it was <laughs> yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> so here we are with two universes who are who present. One might say a more challenging crossover. You, but you know, I think we're up for it. I think so. We've been doing this for over a year now. Yeah, right? We know how to do things well. If anybody can, and I think we can all agree that the world demands that it happen, yeah. it, it's us. It, it, I mean, no one else is doing it yeah. that, that I know of. Exactly. So, uh, Annie, what is this very particular itch that we are scratching this <laughs> so evening? This evening, we are going deep into our personal nostalgia with The Land Before Time and Dick Tracy. You're welcome, America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, things are real weird this year, so yeah. why not? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do things because it feels right. Yep. <laughs> So, Annie, and, and as a as we begin to push this Sisyphusian rock <laughs> up this hill, why don't you go ahead and tell us the particular contours of one half of it called yep. The Land Before Time. The Land Before Time is an animated movie about a group of young dinosaurs. Um, the film was released in 1988 and was directed and produced by John Bluth, who directed a bunch of other animated films from the 80s and 90s. Um, it has a lot of direct-to-video sequels that we'll, we will not be discussing in this podcast. They were not directed by Don Bluth. No. They're a lot more cutesy as opposed mm-hmm. to this real gritty look at what dinosaurs dealt exactly. with. Exactly. He's the Frank Miller of animated films. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you some dinosaur life. Yeah. Except Aww. without like the fascist overtones of Frank Miller. Is there fascism? Oh, 300? Yeah. Oh, and 300. And yeah, Sin I haven't City seen that. And all the... Su- I thought Sin City was more like... 
It's just chaos. It's it's like it's that thing. I mean, Frank Miller is that guy who wrote a really groundbreaking graphic novel that everybody assumed was doing a lot of things ironically that then Frank Miller's life and behavior have proven uh, was not yeah, as ironic no. as we may have hoped. But Don Bluth was living right. Oh, yeah. In no, he was great. Of animation. I don't know about oh, his yeah. real life. I assume he was living right I there, I think he too. was fine. Yeah. He left Disney and, and did his own thing for a while. Yeah, I think and, lar- and made some real great movies. Yeah, I think largely to prove the point that, like, you could be animation without being Disney. And so yeah. he, he broke down a lot and of he barriers. And he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story follows Littlefoot and Apatosaurus, a.k.a. a long neck. Cute. Um, it's so cute. Um. He, he is literally the cutest little baby dinosaur I yeah. have ever seen. It's true. And he showed me a picture right before when she yeah. was doing research for this and, and was very pleased. Oh, my God. He's so cute. Yeah. Oh, Just assume cute. that every sentence in this summary ends with me shouting cute. Yes. I'll, that is what this movie is. Mm-hmm. But there's more. There's <gasps> even more. Go on. So droughts have forced a migration of the dinosaurs to a place called the Great Valley. Um, early on in the journey, a little foot and another young dinosaur, Sarah, a triceratops. Oh, uh, I get it. Uh, um, they're attacked by Sharp Tooth, a T-Rex. Oh, no. Littlefoot's mother um, goes to save them, but she dies in the process. Cute. And, eh, no. Very upsetting, actually. Very, very Especially sad. for Walt watching this at preschool aftercare. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, that was not a good choice. Yeah, no, they just, they put a lot of movies on and then left the room. Well, you know. Yeah. Aftercare. <laughs> I actually remember watching this with friends when I was little, and it was like when I would watch Bambi with friends, and mm-hmm. like for some reason I was like, "Well, it's a movie. It's I'm fine. not. It's fine. Like they're all fine. I can rewind this and watch it again." I like think you were looking at your friends and being like, "They're just pictures, <laughs> guys. Guys, someone draw them." <laughs> but no, this really is kind of dinosaur Bambi. Yeah, it, it is. Um, but like, early, it's early on in the film when that happens. Yeah. Um, and so um, Littlefoot and Sarah are separated from their herds. Um, Littlefoot has um, taken the the words of his dying mother to heart in that he, he needs to go to the Great Valley. Got to find uh, the green place. Got, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like this is big on Mad Max, yeah. but for dinosaurs. I bet it's George Miller's favorite movie. I bet it is. Because actually later on I have a note that the – the background art design is very Mad Maxy, oh, like as as if the color palette was taken from the land the land before time for a yeah, Mad Max. Because it guess, has like, a lot of like reds and oranges and like real intense colors while also being kind of washed out. And it's set it during a drought, so yeah. like yeah. I mean, I I would guess like you know, Inferior Road is such an extreme color palette yeah. that it probably has more in common with animation anyway. Oh but yeah, exactly. I, I think that but, George but like, Miller has annual viewings of the Land Before Time. Oh, I would love that in mm. his like like black jacket. He cries it, and cries. I know, right. His, salty australian tears oh man and then goes to blow something up in his backyard he feels better yep (laughs) um so littlefoot he obviously believes he has to continue his journey to the great valley um in hopes of meeting up with his grandparents and the rest of the dinosaur herds grammy and grandpa i know grand grandparent dinosaurs like seriously cute this movie like old dinosaurs you got young dinosaurs you got old dinosaurs it's everything yeah all the dinosaurs you could want um, on their way, Littlefoot and Sarah meet other lost young dinosaurs, Ducky, a Saurolophus. Saurolophus. thank you. Um, Petrie, a Pteranodon, uh, and Spike, a Stegosaurus. Yeah, my um, favorite. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh I like Triceratops a lot. There's always a Stegosaurus guy, and so Fantasia always bummed me out because the Stegosaurus dies. 
Oh no! Yeah. Well, Spike's whole family is dead. So. Oh God! <laughs> I know. Well, that's Man, why he's alone. Just pour salt in that wound. Yep. He's all alone. <laughs> um. So, despite conflict in the group about which way to go and the dangers they face, they work together to survive. Nice. Um. They ultimately battle Sharp Tooth again and survive. Isn't there like a pit of pretty spi- much killing like, him like, in the process? Yeah. There's like a, a pit of spikes or something, or like spiky rock formations. Well, they're yeah, they're a bunch of rocks, and they get to like push a rock on him so he falls off a cliff. That's and, right. Yeah, gets like crushed by it. It's the Disney death. It's yeah, exactly. Um, they find their way to the Great Valley to join their families. Um, get ready for some Dino family feels, y'all. I like to think they get to the Great Valley and they're like, oh no, it's all salt. We have to turn around and, and retake Sharp Tooth's yes. home. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this would make a great crossover with Mad Max. Actually. Yeah, somehow there are a lot of real easier. good Mad Max crossovers that could happen. It's true. Um, so characters we have Littlefoot, who is adorable and brave. Yay. Sarah, who is adorable and stubborn. Aww. Ducky, who is adorable and adorableer. Petrie, who is adorable and dorky, and Spike, who is adorable and gentle. Stegosaurus. Yay. They're all so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, some themes. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work. The baby's dinosaurs survive despite their differences because they work together. Good job, guys. Good job. Um, their strengths combine to help defeat Sharptooth and help them get to the Great Valley. Also, families look a lot of different different ways. Um, Littlefoot loses his mom, and now his family are his grandparents, and that's who he lives with at the end of the movie. Yeah. Also, Ducky's family adopts Spike. Oh. And now he he has lots of sisters. Their their family got so much pointier all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, exactly. Um, dinosaurs know that there's no one right kind of family. Mm-hmm. Um, also, trust your heart. Littlefoot believes that he can make it to the Great Valley and his mother's in di- and that his mother's dying advice will guide him to his family and safety. I mean, I guess if you're a dinosaur, it's better to trust your heart than your brain because your brain is pretty tiny. It's like a little walnut. Just a little bit walnut in Itty your head, bitty. but your heart is huge. Yes. And so that's where all the intuition lies. Exactly. Um, your heart's like your feet. Yeah, yeah, big, your little feet. Your little feet, the little big feet. This is getting off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> little big league. Little big league. Um, also, we never lose those we love. Um, Littlefoot's mom dies, obviously, early on in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a big presence, thro- presence throughout and ultimately guides him to the Great Valley. Oh, well, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Um, so things I like and I think other people will like. Guys, these dinosaurs are so cute. Oh, they're the best. I cannot even look at the little foot is born scene without squeeing because he's so teeny and cute in his little squishy face. And like Ducky has the cute child actor voice. Oh, okay. Do you want to know something real sad? Yes. So the little girl who played Ducky. Oh, no. She was in... um, the all dogs go to heaven is a little girl in that. Oh, she was in some right. Punky Brewster. Well, yeah, so that's great. She was in like a Punky Brewster episode. Oh, no, I know where this is going. Yeah, now, she was murdered by yeah. her father, who was like an alcoholic, and like Ugh. he, I had some real issues, and he like murder suicided their whole family. Yeah. and she was a kid. Like it's I, so awful. I did. I forgot that she was the girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I remembered that from yeah. Her. Oof. Well. She had a really lovely voice. She did. Like, oh my God, this this kid like was adorable. And mm-hmm. like, so yeah, way to bring it down, Annie. Yeah, no, it's good. It's okay. This but, is like, this is key weird, history. Weird movie. No, history. that is dark movie trivia yes. history. But like Ducky lives on and mm-hmm. you know, she She created some lovely Yeah, characters. she created this like adorable character that will live on for kids forever, mm-hmm. despite her own terrible family 
Stop I mean, it. it obviously like I haven't seen this movie since I was very, very little, and Ducky's voice is like still in my memory. So yeah. Oh, totally. This is a lasting performance. Yeah, and again, just general dinosaur cuteness all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and the animation is really fun, and the color palette is oddly Mad Maxy. Yeah, like so it's a really pretty. It checks like, all of these boxes. Yeah, exactly. Like it's adorable, but with a like very intense color palette. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like is a Don Bluth kind of thing. Yeah, like he, he is a very. It's almost like, like watercolor, like shading, yeah. but with like more, like less cheerful colors. Yeah, and like really hard inked lines. Yeah, like his line work is a lot darker and a lot more jagged than Disney. Yeah. It's not like a unified palette. Like a, I don't know. Like you watch The Little Mermaid, and everything feels very smooth. And that, but I mean, that is unified. later Disney too. That is true. So I think this was like, yeah, I guess the that, transition into the. Yeah, this is more the, like Aristocats you know, era. Yeah, apparently this and Oliver and Company were in hot competition. Okay, so oh, I can I see them having a little that more in on common this too. Um, that's honorary on, mention. Yeah, honorary mention for my Rex, Oliver <laughs> and Company, adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's some major feels here. Like, try not to tear up when Littlefoot's mom dies, even though little Annie didn't. Oh, yeah. Just try to have more emotion than tiny Annie. Yeah, like adult Annie was would a, be a sociopath, up. apparently. Yeah, well, I think it was just like, I, I watch these all the time. Like, yeah. I know that I can rewind it. You did watch Jaws on a regular basis growing up. That's true. I think you had a different relation to narrative than most yeah. children. Oh, exactly. I was like, no, it's fine. She's not like dead, dead. It's. Yeah. It's a movie. It's someone pretending to be dead. Yeah, exactly. We're all we're all just playing at this because yeah. it's a movie. Leave the fiction, kids. Let me tell you something real sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ducky. Oh, no, no. Hi guys. Are you having fun? Let me ruin it. The Andy Cardi story. And the trend continues. <laughs> Oh, oh man. So do you wanna ruin some Dick Tracy with me? Absolutely. Let's just run this movie into the ground. I've got a couple that I could ruin here. Oh so. yeah, no, totally. We yep. can go to a lot of dark places with this one. <laughs> yep. So Dick Tracy, uh nineteen ninety film, produced, directed, and starring Warren Beatty, who also wrote a bunch of the script, um, despite losing a writer's guild contest to um or a lawsuit to be credited as as a co writer. Um, based off of the nineteen thirties comic strip created by Chester Gould, which is somehow still running in newspapers across America. Oh, are you serious? I've oh, never yeah. seen Dick Tracy as a comic. Oh yeah, no, it's the most boring comic in the world because Is it, it like it's doing paperwork? Well, it's like all three panels. And so you can only move so much story. So like 99% of the panels are like Dick Tracy at a restaurant. And someone's like, have you had any leads about prune face? And Dick Tracy's like, not yet, but I have some ideas. And the other guy's like, okay, let me know when you hear something. And that's the end of that day's comic. Oh, geez. It's like, tune in tomorrow. for Yeah. Dick Tracy is not a comic that has uh, blossomed under the gradual cutting back of column width and size for newspaper comics. And yet people keep running it. Yeah, right. You'd think it's that way would more like like Mary you? Worth than like an actual adventure serial. What's Mary Worth? Oh, Annie, you need to spend more time on the bad comics pages. Uh, Mary Worth is one of the soap opera com- comics. I think we do. apparently in the Providence Journal we had none of you these. You guys didn't read the funny papers very much. Well, I did, but it was all like um, Heathcliff and. Peanuts comics and... that ostensibly have jokes in them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, there, was, there were like no dramatic 
comics. Oh, yeah. No, there's a whole genre of soap opera comics. And they're obvious holdovers from like a period when comics got a lot more column space and like could really spread out. I mean, when Will Eisner was doing The Spirit, he literally had like a page or two in the newspaper every day in full color. Oh, my gosh. Um, and that's why The Spirit is so great. But I guess now we have but, um, web series. Yeah, so exactly. We don't, we don't need comic space. Yeah. It's all on the internet. But there's a lot of people who have very warm, nostalgic feelings for Mary Worth and Dick Tracy, and they still read print news media. So they get their three panels a day. Well, I have nostalgia for the Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy. As do I, because it's pretty awesome, you guys. Um, uh, my assumption, I doing some research into the movie, my assumption was always just that this was like a mad scientist passion project for Warren Beatty, which it kind of was because he grew up as a super fan of Dick Tracy. He had the idea for the movie and was trying to get it made in the mid 70s. But it actually only came to him through this really weird Byzantine route where uh, the studio was going to do it. They had John Landis assigned to direct, but then he dropped out after Vic Morrow died on the set of Twilight Zone. There was an accident where um, the section of Twilight Zone that man, this is like depressing Hollywood history. Yeah, hour. right. The section of Twilight Zone in the movie that John Landis directed, um, actor Vic Morrow and two children he was carrying were decapitated by a helicopter during, oh, a, during a stunt I, sequence. I thought that was another movie. No, I thought that, that was, was the... Um Oh, God, what is it? Like the Raven or the Crow or something? Oh, no, the Crow, Brandon Lee just was... Di- he died because he was shot with blanks, but at too close of a range. I really... I... Um, I put those together oh, i yeah. thought that was the helicopter nope that was uh that was twilight zone and so john landis back took some time off from directing uh yeah obviously for some pretty obvious reasons uh and then walter hill came in who's sort of gonzo actor uh, action director who's great um and he was going to direct and he hired Beatty to act in it but during the pre-production phase they clashed really heavily over creative control um hill wanted to do a very grim gritty actiony take and Beatty wanted to do like a very solid homage to the comics Mm -hmm. Uh, so the film fell through um, and then basically all of the rights lapsed and Beatty bought the rights himself and then sort of made things work so that he was able to direct and star in it um, despite going just massively over budget like he always does when he directs and Disney trying to stop him so ultimately Disney released this movie directed by Warren Beatty and it is the like it is exactly the movie that Warren Beatty wanted it to be and exactly the movie that we all wanted it to be yeah but um, the history of this movie is fascinating, so go back and read about it um, on, at minimum, Wikipedia if you get a chance. Um, as for the movie itself, um, so it takes the character of Dick Tracy, a police detective with a square jaw, a yellow jacket, and a radio watch that Little Walt dreamed of on multiple occasions as a kid. I bet. I wanted it so bad. So uh, let's say we got Dick Tracy in his yellow jacket. Uh-huh. We've got Carmen San Diego in a red jacket. Uh-huh. Like... What? Are they hooking up? They're hooking yeah, up. they're hooking up. Oh, yeah. Like, what if they switch jackets for a day? I mean, I think that Chaos Tracy would be... Ensues. I think that he would be compelled to steal landmarks in Carmen San Diego so. would be compelled to beat up uh, ugly henchmen. Yeah, right on, girl. I feel like their, their ensembles do most of the work they for really them. They really do. Yeah. Um, but no, really, it's a... We grew up in a good era for colored trench coats. We did. <laughs> I mean... It's it's actually amazing that that's not a bigger thing now. Yeah, it really considering should be. how we all love them. Yeah, we should all be living in some kind of weird Blade Runner dystopia, except with colored jackets. Yeah, I'd do it. Um, so anyway, Dick Tracy is running up against Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino, in a performance of like it is of such magnitude that it's really only contained by the absolute metric ton of makeup that he's wearing throughout yep. the course of the film like it's the only thing holding him to the ground he's overacting so much um big boy but is if, it- if you're gonna 
overacting in a role, this should oh, be the one. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Big Boy is attempting to consolidate power in the city. It's just called the city, uh, which mostly involves killing mobsters who are named after their physical deformities and setting up a headquarters at Club Ritz, where the beautiful and, dare I say, mysteriously motivated yeah. Breathless Mahoney uh, is performing. Um, she is played by Madonna. Doing um, a great job. Yeah, she does a very, very solid job, I got to say. Um but yeah, as as you said, Annie, this is a movie where bigger is absolutely better. Um, Warren Beatty has made a movie that tries to replicate the exact look of a comic strip whose sense of anatomy is um, outlandish to, to be generous. Like it's like it's everything's oversized and archetypical. And so it's all primary colors. He only used um, the colors used in comic book, comic strip printing in the palette of the movie. Uh, everything is like matte backing and flat backdrops um but also like these really rich colors and textures and then huge amounts of makeup and prosthetics on all of the bad guys because yeah. dick tracy's a universe where if you have some kind of physical imperfection you are immediately in a life of crime and everybody calls you that yeah That's i mean if you're raised and you have a big head and a little face mm-hmm and people call you little face like that's gonna that's gonna make you crack at some that's point that's true other um other podcast the flop house also has a fantastic riff about riff about how really dick tracy is just a story about a guy running around beating up people with physical <laughs> imperfections true. he's like i got you again pigeon toe and it's like no i was just trying to go to the bank <laughs> like, not this time bow leg Exactly. Like, Finally, oh, no, gotcha. Yeah, right? Iron lung. <laughs> That's my grandfather. He hasn't left the house in 20 years. God, who is this monster who's attacking us? Yeah, so, you know, that's all under the surface, though. Um, all the bad guys in the movie, Dick Tracy, are definitely bad guys. Um, you know, because they sit around at tables and gamble and smoke. Um, Tracy tries to balance his relationship with Tess Trueheart, who is nice. With his crime-fighting capers, uh, which is further complicated by the appearance of the kid, who is an adorable moppet who witnesses one of Big Boy's murders and overcomes his deep and lasting traumatic memories pretty quickly, all in all, um, so that he can join Dick Tracy for the crime-fighting fun. It was the early '90s; you had to have a little adorable kid. Oh yeah, like as an Um, as a little adorable kid who was around the time that came out, I was like, "Well, that is my Mary Sue." Yeah, this is the way to do it. Um, it's he was the Will Wheaton for for this film. Um, Will Wheaton should be the Will, Will Wheaton for this film. He really should have been. Um, but anyway, the movie becomes a kind of picaresque fever dream of big costumes and bigger cameos, uh, including Dustin Hoffman as a guy named Mumbles, who mumbles a lot, uh, and a mysterious faceless interloper named yeah. The Blank. Um, both Mumbles and The Blank haunted Little Walt's dreams almost as oh, much as no. the radio watch, though in less fun ways. Really? Yeah. Mumbles was It was for some reason, scary. so the scene where he's interrogating Mumbles, he's like, they have Mumbles under a heat lamp, yeah. and he's getting water out of this water jug that yeah. looks like a giant polar bear, yeah. and I think for some reason, that is the scene, one of the scenes that I most remember in the theater, and uh-huh. it just like stuck with me, and I think oh, it was weird. mostly the water jug, but largely I just had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I don't know why this man is under bright lights i don't know why oh. they're drinking water like i was very confused and well concerned. he wanted the water yeah but he was like mumbles was is not one of the stronger gangsters no and so I you mean, feel bad for him and yeah because again like he has a speech impediment mm-hmm. that's yeah, his like, only there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with him yeah he's trying he's just like, trying to live his life he was trying to be an english teacher and it wouldn't work oh, out no. yeah um but 
Ultimately, uh, through such machinations, uh, Big Boy is defeated. And by defeated, I mean thrown into the gears of a drawbridge after all of his other men are gunned down mm. uh, in a fight with the police. Yep. That's... This movie has some tonal shifts. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's not the Disney throw him off a cliff. No. Oh, no. This movie goes for it. Yeah. Um, Breathless Mahoney is revealed to have been the blank all along, shortly after being shot by Big Boy. So Oops. Madonna dies in Dick Tracy's arms. And uh, Dick finally proposes to Tess, but then leaves her holding the ring while he and the boy go off after a bank robber it's fun boys will be boys boys will be boys oh and at this point the kid has changed his name to dick tracy jr oh god yeah i forgot about that yep (laughs) just in case anybody missed the connection yeah right Um, i mean at least robin had the decency to be named robin yeah it's true he tried to have a personality of his own um and while being a ward um but yeah uh, this movie is super fun, uh, largely for the characters, again, because they are all on the inside as they are on the outside. Like It's a large determining factor. So we've got Dick Tracy, uh, Warren Beatty, just channels every half-remembered, hard-boiled detective who he ever read a book about, uh, and does a very fine job being a charming Warren Beatty type. He sure is Warren Beatty. Yeah, he's a little old at this point, I think. Like, you know, he's not like... Well, I mean, I don't think Dick Tracy's supposed to be a young guy. No, but... Like, you you know, Tess is, I mean, again, I, I saw this when I was like six, so. True. Like, they all looked old to me. They were all like, ancient. But like, I think they, were, they weren't supposed to be real young people. No, that's true. They were like solid, solidly in their careers. Yeah, and I like that he's not like a private eye. He's just like a cop. Yeah. But he's a cop who never wears a he's uniform. He's a detective. And, yeah, he's a detective. He's like a, he's the Luther of he the dictator of this comic world. book world. Yeah. Uh, and he kills about as many people. <laughs> There you go. Um, he is supported by Tess Trueheart, who's played by Glenn Headley. And ni- she's a nice gal who fears that Dick Tracy loves his job more than he loves her. She is correct. Yep. Um, we got the kid. He eventually renames himself Dick Tracy Jr. because that was the time period this movie was happening in. You needed a viewpoint character, obviously. Um, and then you got Breathless Mahoney, uh, played by Madonna, who does a pretty solid job overall and even gets to sing a fun song by Stephen Sondheim. Oh, wow. The yeah. Sooner or Later yeah, one? that was him. Oh. Oh, that's um, a real good one. Yeah, there's a great video of Bernadette Peters performing it. Oh, I bet she's great. Yeah, she has sort of like pulled that song into her orbit yeah. and made it her own, and she's wonderful at well, it. Well, because Madonna's not uh, doing it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the movie is like, again, there are these tonal shifts in the movie where like people get gunned down in garages and people get thrown into gears or bridges. It also has massive tonal shifts from being a kid's movie to being a movie with like super duper overt sexual overtones whenever Madonna's on screen. Like she, there was a line, I was watching a clip today and there's a line where he's like, I'm going to take you down to the police office and you know, we'll, we'll get the information after we make you sweat a bit. And she goes, I sweat better in the dark. And I was like, this is a kid's movie. Yeah. She's also wearing lingerie at the time. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, I feel like it's very like Jessica Rabbity, mm-hmm. where like that mm-hmm. was, I mean, I guess a kid's movie too. That's true. But like it's... Jessica Rabbit is like all sex. Yeah. I feel like kids movies use film noir trappings as an excuse to like really play it up and yeah. introduce kids to a whole new world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man. I totally didn't get that line as a kid, too. Oh, no, I'm sure I, I didn't like, either. I don't even know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino, eight gallons of makeup and a whole lot of shouting. Um, and then there's the gangsters, which, let's be honest, it's what we all came for. Uh, we got Little Face. His face is littler than normal. Prune Face. His face is wrinklier than usual. Flat Top. His, the top of his head is flatter than usual. <laughs> Lips manil, uh, uh, lips manless. He has very big lips. 
Bug Bailey. Just kidding. He's actually a cop, but he bugs the club. So his name is Bug. Um, 88 Keys. He plays a piano. We won't tell. Sorry. He plays a piano. Uh, but also of note is the fact that he is Mandy Patinkin, which brings us to the wonderful second part of this character roundup, which is all of the cameos. There are a billion. I feel like Warren oh Beatty just called all of his friends. So I, did, got, I, like, I didn't know that was Mandy Patinkin. Oh, yeah. No, I had no idea. And he has like a bald spot in it. Like he's really like schlubby looking. Um, we got Mumbles as Dustin or Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles. We've got Dick Van Dyke popping up as the Wait. district attorney. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do um, remember him. Catherine O'Hara is in this. James Caan. Um, the stenographer in one scene is played by Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is in the film Dick Tracy and she plays a stenographer with half a line. Oh my God. I bet uh, she was like, oh yeah, I'm around that day. Yeah, absolutely. I'll sure. show up on set. Anything for you, Warren. Um, you really feel like Warren Beatty just kind of went through his Rolodex and yeah. called people in. And like, if I got asked to come in and play a comic book villain, like totally. Yeah. Put me in those prosthetics. Do it. Um, give me a bright colored trench coat. I'll show up wherever you need me to. Um, themes of the film. Uh, bad guys are bad. You can tell by how small their faces are compared to normal oh faces. <laughs> good guys are good. You can tell by how square their jaws are. <laughs> Just measure them. Yep. Uh, the only way to defeat a bad guy is if a good, by, good guy punches them into the gears of a drawbridge. Um, and throwback style and nostalgia items can actually still be pretty fun um, and kind of rollicking. Um, yeah, those are pretty much the only themes in the film. Uh, it's not like Dick Tracy learns to value his relationship more than his work because no. he doesn't. Nope. Um, yeah. The theme of the, the theme of this movie is Walt, little Walt is going to ask for a radio watch for Christmas and be given a spy tech spy kit instead. Same and thing. It, yeah, same was, thing. Oh, it was not the same. No, thing. I know. <laughs> it was still pretty cool, though. Um, I feel like the theme of this movie is keep doing your job at the expense of your personal relationships. Yeah. And the world will be a better place for it. Yeah. Or at least like you'll do great. Yeah, like it'll be real good for your career. Because like the city is still pretty crappy. Like well, there's still villains running around everywhere. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Especially if someone's robbing the bank at the yeah. end of it. Yeah, he's not like cleaning up the streets or anything. No. He's cleaning up a very, very small section of the streets. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like the wire all of a sudden. Um, oh, man. But um, also a lesson from this movie from the marketing end of things. Not every movie has to be Batman. Um, this movie was a, a pretty significant success, but it came out shortly after the release of Batman and the studio With very Michael much Keaton. wanted it to be Batman. And so all of their marketing was around it. Sort of, It was the exact same marketing strategy as for Batman. And so when it, when it was not that big of a hit, um, a lot of people looked on it as a failure. And I think it sort of had a little period where it fell into obscurity for a while. Yeah. It's still pretty like... It has still it, largely guess, fallen like, into obscurity, but yeah. I feel like people have now now at least admit that like it's it, a it's a well it's done. It's just a fun film. movie. It is yeah. what it is. And, and uh, like I mean, if I if someone were to sit me down and say which is better, Batman or Dick Tracy, I'd be like Batman is the better. Oh film. yeah, for sure. But um, but again, they're both just fun. Like based on they're successful guys, blockbusters in different crime ways. Crime fighty comic book guys, yeah. sure. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Surface level, they totally are the same, and they both have very outsized production design. You yeah. Know, it's Tim Burton versus Warren Beatty. Um, the fight we always wanted. It's true. Everybody knew this was <laughs> actually. Day I would love to see them fight, yeah, especially now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> like. Um, Tim Burton's crazy hair and then oh, yeah. old Warren Beatty <laughs> just going at it. <laughs> Warren Beatty would be like, in your in my film, Edward Scissorhands would be the be the biggest criminal of them all. That's <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Get him, scissor hands. Oh no. I don't have normal hands. <laughs> no, I, I, I you just, made me this way. I'm just trying to cut hair. 
<laughs> um, transitioning into things that I like and that I think you'll like too. Um, the style, the style, the style. This movie is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Um, and just fascinating to see someone try really, really hard to replicate a comic book on screen and in a way that doesn't leave you with as many oogie feelings as movies like 300 or Sin City. Um, I think those movies almost, they're also attempts to replicate a comic book aesthetic on screen, but because Frank Miller's style is so pared down and elemental, um, they aren't as shocking in that way. Like it's, you know, Sin City is black and white and very textured um, with like splashes of color in Frank Miller's style. But then like Warren Beatty was just like, let's go super duper technicolor and everything's big and bright and flashy. And it all kind of works and hangs together. Um, it feels like reading an old time comic strip, which is kind of all I think it wanted to be and all I wanted from it, um, especially as a little Walt who, you know, I loved old time comic strips. Um, and the tonal imbalance of the film is also really hilarious, I find. Um, and honestly, kind of still hangs together despite like being super sexy one minute, super for kids the next, and super violent the next. I feel like I did not notice the tonal imbalance as mm -hmm. a kid, probably because I also watched Jaws and was like, yep, also someone's going to get eaten by a shark today. A little sociopath Annie. Yep. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Just people need to die. Yeah. But no, I feel like if I were, I didn't know, to, you know, I felt like when I was a kid, like this was a, a weirder and spookier movie than I think most other movies I saw, but mm -hmm. I really liked it. And I had yeah. the comic book and I read that all the time. Yeah. I feel like if I were a parent bringing a kid to this movie, I would have sat there being very concerned about my child's well-being. But I, as, as a kid, I would be like, yeah, totally. It's yeah. bonkers, but I liked it. I don't remember it being an issue for us. You were so jaded. I know, Just apparently. sitting there smoking a cigarette. Yeah, right. We're just what like, else you got, yeah. baby? But I mean, I guess we also watched Star Bonnie and Clyde. Now there's a movie with some depth. Yeah. Yeah. It is what the kids love. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like, we also watched Star Wars. People get laser blasted in that and thrown That's in true. pits. And... Yeah. I didn't watch Star Wars until I was in middle school. Really? I mean, in like bits and pieces, but it oh was never God. like. That's so late. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of movies when I was a kid. Man, we had all the movies. I've been doing a lot we of We rented up. movies. We bought movies. You were like, in a movie-rich household. Yeah, we were We were big into TV. Yeah, and, and I think that, that like helps separate things. Like you said, it's it lets you separate things into stories more. Yeah, where whereas, I was like, no, this is a movie. We'll, we will rewind it at the end. Yeah, whereas I feel like especially when I went to see movies in the theater, I have very distinct like immersive memories of specific scenes. I don't remember a whole lot about being a kid, but like uh -huh. I remember like the sword fight scene in Adam's family and I remember uh, the mumbles interrogation scene in Dick mm. Tracy. And so all of these like deeply embedded memories of scenes that were like almost too much, but that I really enjoyed. Oh, interesting. So yeah. Um, so <laughs> crossover time. Yes. Here we go. Um, thematically? Um. The okay, so this is a stretch. Do it, give it to me. <laughs> but so in the land before time, they're all different dinosaurs coming together. Mm -hmm. They work together. Their their differences make them strong. Mm -hmm. And Dick Tracy, the villains all come Lots together. Lots of different hideous Lots villains. Of different hideous villains. And for for a little part of that movie, the villains are doing all right. That's true. Once they kill a cop, once they kill the the, the no good nicks. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're forming a company. They're forming a group. That's true. And and they just so Dick they, Tracy is the sharp tooth. Of yeah, the his Dick jaw Tracy is world. so sharp. It's so sharp you can <laughs> cut glass with it. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. Teamwork makes the dream work, just in opposite ways. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, families come in different forms. The That's kid true. shows up. Yeah, and, gets and Dick adopted. Tracy is his dad now. It's true. Yeah. 
with very little paperwork having to be done. I mean, he's a cop. Like he already he he it's, could push he through the paperwork. Yeah, he's like, yeah. judge, can you push this through? That's true. Um, yeah, I could see that. And also, I feel like having a strong vision can make for an impactful film. I feel yeah. like Don Bluth is someone whose aesthetic has, is very he has strong. A style. And same with Warren Beatty in this movie or yeah. in any movie, but especially uh, yeah. this movie. Oh, definitely. And this is like. It's less of Warren Beatty's like overall style than it's mm-hmm. like we are working towards this particular right. genre. I am putting on a style. Yeah. And especially like even again going back to the Sin City comparison, like being able to to accomplish that with no CGI. Like without yeah. being able to run it through a filter. Yeah. Like having to use film stock and having to really like use physical sets. And yeah, and think about like what are your costume designs and mm-hmm. what are the colors that you want to pop in each scene. Yeah. Um and how to make Especially because the costumes ride a line of being, they are ridiculous and they want to be ridiculous, but they also feel consistent. Yes. It's not just all over the place. Yeah. It's like like you are living in a very particular cartoony world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's the thematic crossover. Let's talk about how these movies end up in each other's business. So one is set in in prehistoric times Mm -hmm. and the other is set in cartoon 1920s times. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. 1930s? Yeah, 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing some thinking. Yes. And in the immortal words of the great Arnold Schwarzenegger, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice the Age! The Ice Age! <laughs> <laughs> so I think... <laughs> we both had to shout that. Sorry? If we both had to shout that, I guess. We did. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I just like saying it. I know. Well, you asked. <laughs> so I thought I was supposed to answer. Yeah, you did. Okay, but then you It was a call and to... response. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a sermon here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think uh, Littlefoot and company make it to the green place or the... The, the Great Valley. The Great Valley. <laughs> I'm, you know, no, it's the green place. Um, it is green. Yeah. Uh, then they get flash frozen in the ice age. Yep. Um, and much like Captain America, yeah, they go millennia pass. Yep. You know their glacier. Millennia is Captain America. Yeah, just like Captain yeah. America <laughs> in the land of tomorrow. Um, but yeah, they they are in ice uh, until the 1930s. Um, at, well, at a certain point, of course, the glacier gets subsumed by Earth and yeah. sort of buried underneath. And then you know they pave paradise, and now it's a parking lot. Well, it's a 1930s thriving metropolis. Yeah, called the city uh, with parking lots. Yeah, in it. so yeah, because they have cars. Yeah, exactly. And then, much like Denver, the last dinosaur. Yes. they emerge from the Earth. In this weird cartoonish world, they are themselves yeah. cartoons. Yeah. So, you know, they are, I think, less out of place in this okay. reality than not. And a little bit further, I think because of the thematic crossover that we have discussed, yeah. they, go join big, they go join Big well, Boy's crew. So I'm going to think that actually that Big Boy sees them like people are freaking out. They're dying. That's true. They're so scared. They're so scared. But Big Boy is like, I can make money off of this. He, oh. he. At first, I thought you were going to be like, he sees them and he's like, hey, I can give you a home. <laughs> no, I don't think Big Boy is that I, way. I appreciate he you is, for who you are. He doesn't have a lot of parental instincts. No, probably not. Maybe so, that, maybe this kicks them in a little bit, though. Maybe a little. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so continue. he sees them and he's like, you know what? I can make money. And it's like the 1930s. So they had stuff like freak shows still around. Oh, yeah. And so, they knew about dinosaurs, but they were still like thunder lizards and like Satan left them and all of that. <laughs> you know, they were, they were, there was a lot of mythology around dinosaurs, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Satan left them. <laughs> Satan left them. <laughs> Where did I put this? Ah, <laughs> uh, screw it. <laughs> 
Um, so he he makes like a creepy zoo out of the poor baby dinosaurs uh-huh. who are too little, and they're they're not bitey dinosaurs. No, so they're just like I just want to get out of here. Right. Um. So who goes to the creepy freak show of the dinosaurs? But the kid, Dick Tracy Jr. Dick Tracy Jr. And he's like. This is not cool. Yeah, these are unhappy. And I animals. mean, obviously, as a um, child stand-in, he can like talk to the dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, because of course. And Littlefoot's like, my mom died, and the kid is like, well, both my parents. Yeah, are I'm an dead. orphan. I'm I guess. an orphan, and now I'm adopted. So maybe you could get adopted too. <laughs> it's, my my dad's a cop. He could make anything legal. <laughs> yeah, right. You want to be adopted by a cop? Here you go. You want to be a human? Here's your social you know security what? number. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna forge the paperwork. We don't have computers here. Nobody's gonna trace this back. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put a hat on you. Nobody's gonna Nobody know. Notice. Here, you stand on Littlefoot's shoulders. Yeah. Now drape that trench coat over. Now you stand on his shoulders. Now, now wear a hat. Now you look just look like 75 percent of this ugly town. <laughs> it's true. Now you look just like a normal human for this city, which is to say, a <laughs> grotesque monstrosity. What if the city is just where all of the like monster people ended up? Like, is it a post-apocalyptic yeah. nightmare where all the mutants have been sh- have been quarantined? Yeah. That's that's the part we don't see. There's a big wall around the city, yep. and it's it out. just like a nuclear wasteland. And they call it the frame because they're in a comic. Yes. <laughs> I love that the world not only sequestered <laughs> all of its mutants in this in this protected dome, but also bothered to create a cosplay reality for yeah. them. They're like, no, no, it's the 1930s. You're gangsters. <laughs> well, you gotta keep busy. You gotta keep them busy, or else they'll start questioning. Exactly. And they're not robots. This isn't Westworld. They no, have, exactly. They have needs. It's just like you know what it's it's like the matrix where it's like well if it's too good then you start asking questions yeah, you exactly. doubt it so we gotta make this a real complicated universe they're also using all these mutants for batteries <laughs> oh no <laughs> you, just, you just throw them in the clockworks it's true that's it oh god that's how it works yep oh this so, is hideous sees prune face walk by and he's like you bastards only asked if you could you never asked if you should (laughs) life finds a way it's true see ultimately this becomes the rosetta stone of crossover yes it really does Um, so yeah, I think so, I'm, I'm so okay with that. So the movie is about Dick Tracy trying to free Rescuing the baby dinosaurs, dinosaurs from the zoo. Yeah, from creepy zoo. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think kiss and, your faces is going to be a thing. No. Yeah. I no, none think... of the dinosaurs are adults or humans. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, man, that's that's two strikes right there. Um, I think we can get into. I think Littlefoot and, and Dick Tracy Jr. obvious best buddies. Yes, um, I'm gonna say um, Ducky and Tess Trueheart. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Sarah and Breathless. Oh yeah, because um, you know Sarah's she's a woman who knows her mind. It's and true. Breathless is a is an independent woman. She knows what she wants. Yeah, what she wants for some reason is Dick Tracy. It's never really explained. I mean, he's the only one with a square draw and in I a think, city full of nuclear waste people. And honestly, if you're Warren Beatty and you're writing and directing a movie, you probably just take it for granted that all the characters in your movie want to sleep with you. Oh, yeah. Because that's been your life yeah, he for had, the last He had the track years. record to back yeah. it up. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Breathless and Sarah get along just fine. Yeah. Um, and um, 
I feel like Spike and Mumbles because they don't really talk a lot. Oh, yeah. And then when Spike grows up, Dustin Hoffman can ride him. Yeah. Oh, that'll be so great. I, I want to see Dustin helps Hoffman break out. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I I would honestly love to see Dustin Hoffman ride a dinosaur. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Please make that happen, Internet. That's another bummer. In trying to think of what this crossover was, I did a Google search. Dick Tracy has never fought dinosaurs. Weird. You'd think that, like, he's been around for 90 years now. 400 billion years. Yeah, exactly. You'd think that, like, at this point, he's as old as dinosaurs themselves. You'd think they would have crossed over, but no. So this is the first. Industry first. Yay! Um, In the absence of a Kiss Your Faces game, I do think we need to settle a very, very real and necessary dispute, which is what gangster names would the dinosaurs be given in Big Boy's crew? I thought they are like Littlefoot. Littlefoot's right there. But I think things like Sharp Tooth, that's a little too grand. I submit Little Hands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Poor Little Hands. Little Hands. And I think like Sarah is probably like... Like flat. I mean, again, spike flathead. Face. Flathead, spike yeah. face. Or yeah. like, yeah. I think I think they call her three horns in the, the Land Before Time universe. True. But like, yeah, spike, spike nose. Spike nose. Yeah. Um, two brains. Wait, or, what? Yeah, these brontosauruses have two brains. One in their tail and one in their head. Or stegosauruses. Do they? I mean, that was the dinosaur knowledge circa the 1990s when Walt wanted to be a paleontologist, but thought they were called archaeologists. Okay, um, Katie, you need to check this. Yeah, friend of the program. You're, you're actually Scientist a paleontologist. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> let's let's check our our yeah. um, triceratop tail it, knowledge. It was, I think, the the running theory was that, especially for things like the stegosaurus, oh, or stegosaurus, the, or the really and the very very um, long ones as well. Um, was that their brains were too small to keep their bodies alive. So uh-huh. they had like essentially brain centers throughout their bodies. Okay. So like their tail had one in it. That's again, this was a running theory. Um, I, I have no idea if it's been discredited or not. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But two brains is a great name for a Dick Tracy villain. I think we can all agree. That's true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not entirely sold on that. He's out there somewhere in the city. <laughs> Even if he's not wow. a dinosaur. See, I was thinking like two brains, like two, like the Doctor Who two hearts concept. Oh. I thought, yeah. He's just got a weird bulge in his head. Yeah. Like, oh, there goes two brains. He's the thinker. Uh, old two brains. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly I wanted to get a sharp tooth little hands joke in there. Yes. So. Oh, totally. And also I think um, sharp tooth would, would bust out of the ice too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And ultimately eat. Um, Big boy. Big boy. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then get knocked into the gears of a drawbridge. Yes, they both would. Yeah. Man, kids' movies love drawbridges. We got Annie. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. There's probably some others. Yeah, I'm sure. Kids love drawbridges. (laughs) Well, kids do love drawbridges. They do do love bridges. They're they're fascinating pieces of engineering, and kids would be well within their rights to stare at them for hours at a time. Like little Walt did. Um, well, yeah, I think I, I feel good about this crossover, especially when we add in the layer of mutant extraction from yeah, civilized right? post-apocalyptic yeah. society. Because yeah, then there's there's uh, there's Mad Max happening out there too. Yeah, that's true, and and everybody's trying to find the green place. Exactly. Literally, they know it's buried under the city. Oh no! Well, that's the next adventure. Dick Tracy and the dinosaurs go looking. Dick Tracy and the dinosaurs and then it becomes journey to the center of the earth. Yeah, that's true. With Brendan Fraser. Oh, wow. Yeah. Brendan Fraser, star of Encino Man. Oh, man. About a guy who gets frozen and... It's just like turning into the Herman Hesse glass bead game of of weird movie choices. Oh, man. I feel like this is 
actually a really good party game of like, yeah. can you make a connection to another movie based on the description of one movie? Yeah, I think we've stumbled onto a weird nexus point of crossover films. Yeah. Like, I feel like in most of the other crossovers that we talk about, somewhere out there, there's a dome containing the world of Dick Tracy. <laughs> yes. And they all just have to bust in. That's why so few movies have mutants in them. They're all in the city. That's true. Yeah. But, well, there are a lot there are a lot of horror movies. That yeah, that's true. Them. I don't watch those. It's not a genre we talk about a lot. No. Some of us are not horror people because we're scared. It's, it's true. Um, I'm right there with you most of the time. But hey. Let's talk about some genres of movies that we do like, specifically yes. movies similar or things similar to Land Before Time. Um, so for some more late 80s, early 90s animated movie fun, um, most of these are Don Bluth as well. Um, the Secret of Nim, based on the book about a young mouse trying to save her family um, while she gets swept up in the secrets of the psychologically altered rat community. In what's going to become a weirdly running theme, uh, it's a very strange movie to catch a scene of in a hotel and be traumatized by Which when one? you're a small child. Uh, Best Western? No, not <laughs> <a> hotel. <laughs> Which scene? Um, uh, it was a big fight. A, a rat gets killed. It's very upsetting. Oh, yeah. yeah. With like the sword fight? Yeah, and the eyes roll back and it's yeah. it's, grim. it's very grim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was probably Nicodemus. Yeah, and I, and I had zero context. As yeah. Little Walt was not up on up to speed on what was happening. No, that's a real dark place to yeah. jump in on. That's a real dark movie overall. But yeah. we that was another one. Like I it remember dark, watching Western it when too. I was, yeah, I bet. But like I remember watching that when I was like really young. Like we moved when I was four and mm-hmm. I remember watching it a lot before then. So oh, like, I and I remember having pneumonia one time and like Timmy, who's the son, has pneumonia. And Aww. I was like, I feel you, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, super good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, an American Tale about a young mouse who gets separated from his family when immigrating to America. My favorite of the Bluths. Oh, so good. Other than like, Buster. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, brother. <laughs> um, All Dogs Go to Heaven about a con artist dog and a little girl who shows him that his life can be different. Mm-hmm. The Brave Little Toaster, which is like Toy Story, except with household appliances. And... Yeah, distressing death and, dreams. Yeah, like Chris, creepy scenes. That, yeah. Same like, with All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Don Bluth liked yeah. upsetting children. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. But like, I thought they were yeah. fine. They, and no, they worked out great. talk about the All Dogs Go to Heaven, like the hell scene in it. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it was so scary. Oh, yeah. But like, I didn't have a problem with it. I remember being freaked out by it, but not in like a way that, that stuck with me terribly. Yeah. I think for, for whatever reason, I was maybe I was a little older. I was following that movie better when I watched yeah. it. And so I understood that it was a dream. But it's it's pretty upsetting. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I thought there were a lot more upsetting things Just want more from there. your dog, hell. I know, right? I wanted it to be more upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. This is not that creepy. Um, and... It's with stuff that is not generally creepy. The Adventures of Milo and Otis. Not creepy at all. Which is not animated, but it stars a kitten and a puppy. So who cares? And it's narrated by a British dude. Yeah. Um, what's his name? British dude. Yeah. He was in that Mr. movie Brittman. about Santa. Santa Tim Bell. Allen. No. <laughs> the one with... <laughs> um, What's his name? Who's David Attenborough. Da- John Lithgow. Ra- Richard Attenborough. No. One of the Attenboroughs. No. No. <laughs> Dudley Moore. There we go. There we go. We got there. <laughs> We're real good at this, guys. Tim Allen. <laughs> it's Jim Allen. Um, so Milo and Otis has the same two ador- um, 
just d- adorable unlikely friends on a journey vibe mm-hmm. real cute very sad in parts oh yeah but but everybody survives but triumphantly all the animals survive yeah um there's denver the last dinosaur which is about <laughs> what would happen if we crossed over the land before time and encino man possibly the movie that i most wanted to watch it's every sunday series. morning I, the, sorry the tv show that i most wanted to watch every sunday morning when i had to go to church instead oh I always, wow i always That's caught sad. the opening credits and i was like this yeah. looks like the greatest television show <laughs> ever created and then my parents were like we're leaving right now to go to church. oh no it was that on sundays and then on weekdays it was james bond jr Oh, I love that too. I yeah. I feel like for both of those, I don't remember much of the plots, but I can sing the theme songs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we used to rent Denver the last night. Sorry, it was like on oh, video. That's such a good idea. Yeah, because it was like here's like eight episodes in a row. Right. You were Go you were town. Netflix binging before it was yeah, even a thing. exactly before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, for more dinosaur themed kid content, um, Dinosaur versus Bedtime, which is possibly the cutest and funniest bedtime book around. It is a great book. It is so great. I wish I had kids to read it to because it's so cute. Yeah, it is really amazing. Um, there is Dinosaur Train, which I know nothing about, but it's a PBS TV show. Mm. And I love when I see videos of my friends' kids reciting dinosaur names, and this is where they get it from. Like, Aww. they know the real dinosaur names, which nice. is great. Um, I also haven't seen Pixar's The Good Dinosaur yet, but mm-hmm. it seems like that would be a real good match for young fans of The Land Before Time. Absolutely. And if you're really just in it for Sharp Tooth, Jurassic Park. Yeah. And yeah. you can also listen to our Jurassic Park Jane the Virgin episode. Absolutely. Yeah. For for all of your dinosaur park feels. Exactly. Um, yeah. I feel like Jurassic Park is actually a movie that would be okay for kids of a fairly young age to watch. Yeah. I mean, I like we were like nine or yeah, so nine when or it ten, came out. It was fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, those are all excellent recommendations. Thank you. What um, about um, some Dick Tracy? Some Dick Tracy. So I was just trying largely to think of like weird and outlandish genre exercises, which od- honestly like gangster movie and film noir stuff lends itself to very well. Um, there is Sin City and 300 um, movies that I don't know that I want to officially recommend them because they're not vibe yeah. similar to Dick Tracy. Yeah. I guess Sin City is close, but they're very dark. I enjoy Sin City quite a bit. Um, I think it is it is more clever and smart uh, it did than a it thing. needs to be. But yeah, I also haven't watched it in a decade, and I can't yeah. imagine that it would hold up great. Um, but some movies that I will recommend, um, one that I forgot to write down in the notes, but that you mentioned, so thank you for reminding me, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, if you... I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, if it... you or a child you know watches Dick Tracy and is like, I want more weird high-concept takes on detective fiction, <laughs> yep. then you can be like, well, do I have the film for you? Oh, and my God. shovel this down there. So that's another one that has like a real creepy scene. Mm-hmm. Like Christopher Lloyd is super creepy. Oh yeah, he's great as the judge. Also, oh, the dip. Um, Bonkers, the TV show, is kind of like Which that. One? Bonkers. It was. Bonkers. It was on the Disney Afternoon lineup. Oh, I have the vaguest recollection. He of was that. a. He. It's like as if he were a character on Brooklyn Nine Nine, but he's a cop. Cat. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and he like he works with a schlubby cop, and they solve crimes like you do. So this, yeah. Yeah. So history or uh, Hoover and Roger Rabbit and Bonkers. Yeah, sure. Um, Bugsy Malone, uh, the second in the duology of movies Walt saw in a hotel and was riveted by. Um, it is a live action film retelling the story of notorious criminal Bugsy Malone, but utilizing entirely child actors. Yes. And they drive around in little pedal cars and instead of shooting, they throw cream pies at each other. Yep. And it ends in what... 
metatextually is a giant dining room massacre that is in <laughs> fact just a bunch of kids throwing pies at each other. And it, I remember it kind of working again. I, my sister and I saw this in a hotel room one morning and we were just like entranced by it. And this is when I was probably like 11 or 12. Oh man. So, so yeah, I don't know how I actually feel about it. It's, I mean, it's a thing. But it's fascinating even just the fact that it exists. Yeah. I um, feel like the fact that this got made is kind of stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, a more uh, unqualified success uh, in which you actually mentioned in our last show, yes. uh, Dr. Luther, is Brick, uh, the the Ryan Johnston movie um, starring uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Just a really excellent take on film noir detective, um, but set entirely in a high school. They just port all the archetypes over to high school students. There's still death. There's still drugs. There's still very high stakes. But um, it has a lot of fun with like the tension between these kids who want to be very hardcore and tough and film noir-y. And uh, very occasionally they break and you see the kids underneath them come through. Uh, and it's, but it manages to do that while never losing the veneer of a film or a detective film. So yeah, it's really great. Uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, um, the Coen Brothers is sort of screwball slash film noir uh, industry epic starring Tim Robbins. Um, it's super great. It has a stylistic approach to like urban life that I find kind of similar to Dick Tracy. Everything's very outsized and very big. It's very magical realism-y, but um, I think it's just super fun and it moves really fast. Um, Road to Perdition, if you like your comic book adaptations, way more serious, but no less painterly. Um, it's a really, Sam Mendes directed it. Um, it's a beautiful film. Uh, it gets a little bit long, but Jude Law is just super creepy in it. And Tom Hanks gives a very good Tom Hanks dad performance. And it has another adorable Moppet in it. There we go. Um, the uh, If you're looking to read something, I highly recommend the stories of Damon Runyon, uh, who wrote uh, the sort of 1920s, 1930s, fast-talking New York gangster kind of stuff, um, and fed into my final recommendation, and I mean my biggest particular one, Guys and Dolls, Aww. the movie, the musical, though the movie's fine. Um, the it music- does a good job for what yeah, it is. Yeah, if you like Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra probably could have switched roles and it would have been better. Um. Well... I don't know, because Marlon Brando was definitely smoother. Yeah. Um, but they have, like, I feel like all the supporting characters in that oh, yeah. do a great job. Absolutely. It's like Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, it's got conspicuous star casting, but then the support characters are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's fine. And then the uh, and but the musical, if you ever get a chance to see the musical, it's one of the most fun live experiences you if can you, have. If you get a chance to see the FYP musical starring Walt McGaw. <laughs> yes, the circa 2003 production uh, where I played Nathan Detroit. And it was amazing. Oh, yeah. I was something all right. Yeah, no, you're amazing. <laughs> At that point, Walt and I were not dating, but I wanted to date him. And I was like, man, he's way too cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> you are my test true heart. I know, it's true. Except I gave up chasing the crimes. Thank goodness. Yeah. Can I add... Um, Oh, God, I had two, and now I can only think of one. I'll take it. Oh, I have two now. Okay. Um, The the Thin Man. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, crime fighty with mm-hmm. style and Yeah, hilarity. frequent recommendee on the program, yeah. but I like it. Um, And then um, Batman the Animated Series. I feel Ooh. like that has more in common with this. Yeah. But then, I think Batman the Animated Series has more in common with Dick Tracy than Dick Tracy does with the Batman movie. Yes, absolutely. I um, think, yeah, the Animated Series like rides that line of like sometimes it's super funny and sometimes yeah. it's sad. And... Yeah, and sometimes it's real intense and, mm-hmm. and all the villains have deformities. It's true. It's all very archetypical. And yeah, and life. like in that 1920s setting, which yeah. the film Batman 
did have as well. A but. little bit, but like, you know, in a very Tim burton way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are excellent recommendations. Thank you. Yay. We did a good job. We did a good job. I can't believe we Against did this. Against all odds. Yep. Um, well, we did it. We found our nexus point. Um, any, Everyone lives inside the Dick Tracy the, world's the Dick apocalyptic Tracy, bubble. The, mu- the mutant dome. As yes. it's, known, as it's known to the outsiders. And, and we'll just refer to that from here on out. Mm, well, any... <laughs> If people want to find our particular content mutant dome, where can they locate us? They can go to that bubble of crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com, where we will post all our show notes, including our recommendations Yay. and maybe some weird gifts. Yep. You could send us dispatches from the mutant dome yeah. at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to share your thoughts on living inside the mutant dome, you can join our Crossover Appeal Podcast Facebook community. Um and every other week, we ask you what things you've been reading, watching, listening to, et cetera. Yeah. So. And now I kind of want to also ask, like, how the thing you're reading, watching, or experiencing fits into this weird meta-reality yeah, that seriously. we are constructing. Um, where do you or, characters or live? Or, like, weird things that you encountered as a kid that freaked oh, you out. Yeah. 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 What are the scenes that stuck with you? That's always fun to talk about. Yeah. Especially because you can find so many of them as gifts now. Yeah. So it can be a very fun thread. Um, and you can also tweet us those gifts at Crossover Appeal. Um, we're on the tweets a fair amount. And yeah. we put up polls and they're fun. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, uh, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, leave, from the Mutant Dome. From the Mutant Dome. That's whatever, whatever you can get reception. <laughs> from the old-timey from radio. Here in this doomed society. <laughs> Um, please leave us uh, ratings and tell your friends uh, we don't advertise the podcast so word of mouth is really our only way to get it out that's um, true and you know what we don't have any commercials on here so you're true. welcome yeah not for lack of trying blue apron we're right here I mean we haven't like applied or asked them or anything yeah but that's, they, they just, should they should just find they should just know <laughs> exactly. like all but, those cool but, kids who are listening you know that's just how the mutants in the dome feel oh no <laughs> they're like someday they're gonna notice we're here <laughs> I'm going to get my meals delivered right to my door. <laughs> Out of delivery range. What? Oh, no. Oh, Grubhub. Well, oh, man. Well, I guess it's... Grubhub would be a great name for a Dick Tracy <laughs> It would. It's my new henchman. Grubhub. The Foodler. The Foodler. <laughs> now that's more McDonald's territory. That's McDonald land. Oh, no. Grubhub versus the Foodler. Next time on Crossover yep. Appeal. This is what you love, people. Well, everybody, thanks for sticking with us, even when we challenge ourselves. Yep. <laughs> um, and we're going to take off. So for the next two weeks, just keep on dreaming big. Yep. Get yourself to the great valley of your heart. Exactly. And we will see you back here. But this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. I'm Mandy Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. Yep. Filthy mutants.